You're listening to the We Are Limerick podcast. I'm your host, Keen Reinhardt, and join me each week as we meet the people of Limerick who are making it the place it is today. You can keep up to date with all Limerick news by following the hashtag Keeping Limerick Posted across all social media channels or visiting limerickpost.ie. So for this week's podcast, I am in the hub in the bell table once again, and this time I'm joined by Limerick actor Miles Breen. Miles, how are you getting on? I'm very good, thank you very much. Thank you for joining us. Not at all, delighted. Uh, so you're busy as of late? Yes. Very busy. Very busy, very busy. <laughs> um, uh, I had this mad idea a while back uh, that I wanted to do a show. <laughs> Never a good idea. As some actors do. As some actors do. Well, actually, most <laughs> actors just say, wait for somebody to sort of say, um, uh, we're, we're casting, and turn up, audition. No, I say, oh, I want to create my own. <laughs> and give myself the starring role and nobody else in it it's, so it's just all me it's a, it's a, a one man show and uh, how, how did you find writing a one-man show? Well, this one's not too bad. Um, obviously, I'd written a, a one-man show, like oh, it, which is mad to believe it's ten years ago now, Language on Becoming a Lady, and that was the first time I'd ever uh, written a, a one-man show. I that was with Bottom Dog with Theater, Bottom Dog yeah. Theatre Company, and that went very well. And, uh, and now, ten years later, I said, oh, sure, we'll do another one. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't learn your lesson the first. No, time. I obviously didn't. <laughs> Though I suppose I have made my life a little bit easier this time obviously language on become a lady was a completely original piece uh, but this one and it was an idea that had been in my head for years and years um, i'm a huge fan of oscar wilde uh, both of his works and uh, uh, all his writings like the novels the poems and of course the plays but also of course his life story which is incredibly powerful yeah. and incredibly uh, incredibly interesting so uh, i decided i want to do a show about oscar wilde and and to do that to write that how much research did you have to do or were you already clued in? Well, no, obviously I've been a, a fan and, and, and had read pretty much everything that Oscar Wilde ever written and, and read the biography by Richard Ellman. Uh, but uh, for this, I sort of wanted to pick uh, my favourite bits of Oscar Wilde. So I'm not writing those bits, there it is. <laughs> so, so that takes a bit of the work off me. Um, some of them I think uh, audiences will know very familiar, like obviously uh, there's a scene from The Importance of Being Earnest, which I think is one of the best plays ever written but also there's a whole bunch of uh, other um, uh, like poems and uh, short stories uh, uh, which possibly audiences are familiar with some that sometimes they maybe not be so it started off as just I, I just want to perform Wilde's words because uh, I love his use of language yeah. and I love uh, his themes and, and, and his stories and his characters but you know it's not exactly it's not like an a Oscar Wilde tribute band <laughs> so I suppose my part as a writer in it is is um, to try and explain and bring the audience along with me to explain why I love these and uh, and why I'm such a fan of Oscar Wilde. Hence, it's called a Wild Fan. That that segued nicely. Didn't <laughs> it? Um, and uh, I must admit, uh, going back over the works, going back over, saying, "Oh, I'd forgotten some, some, there's so much. Yeah. I, oh, I'd forgotten that. I've forgotten how much, how moving that one is, or how funny that piece is." And then also, sort of trying, I suppose, for the audience, what you'll see is also is my take and my response to to Oscar Wilde, both from his work and also from his life. And uh, this has been a work in progress for a while. Uh, as I say, sitting down on the computer yeah. and cutting and pasting from Oscar Wilde <laughs> in and then making decisions and uh, do I want that bit, do I not want that bit? Because there's so much to choose from and I'm sure some people will say, but you left out that. And I'm saying, well, I'm sorry, it's my choice. If you want to do that, <laughs> go away and do it yourself. And the other um, big sort of process um, 
working with Liam O'Brien, uh, the, the the director at Bottom Dog, is is that bringing the audience with you. And yeah. I suppose we made a little bit of a discovery in the last few weeks of of, of what the show should feel like, uh, what the audience can expect. And I suppose without giving too much away. I, I do want it to be a surprise. Uh, it's that whole thing of imagine, uh, we've all imagined, um, if you met somebody really famous, if you met somebody famous who's dead, somebody you've admired, what would you like to ask them? Or what questions? What would you really okay. want to know? So that's sort of a through line through the piece. It's sort of Miles asking Oscar, why did you do that? Um, how did you feel about that? And the thing about Oscar Wilde, because uh, though... Uh, a brilliant playwright and novelist and all the rest. Um, we have so much of uh, his writings that I think some of the answers are coming from the writing, mm-hmm. sometimes from the plays, but also we have his letters uh, and also we have his poetry as well. So I, I'm hoping that the audience will follow m- my questions and that the answers will be found in Wilde's work. And uh, acting in itself is in a way conveys a lot of empathy. Yeah, but as a, an Oscar Wilde fan, you really want to do him justice. So. Of course, of course, yeah. No how, pressure, thank you. <laughs> how did you find uh, taking on that empathy? And um, I, as I say, been a fan, so I've seen many productions of different plays and stuff like that. And I suppose I want to put my own spin on it. And also, we're very fortunate to have a very, very good team. As I say, it's a one-man show, but I sort of want it to be a magical evening with the one-man show. So. We have a fabulous lighting designer, David O'Brien, who worked with us on the first production of Language on Become a Lady, and also Sharon Kiley, uh, helping with uh, with the look and the costumes of it. And you want it to be elegant, you want it to be Wildian, um, but you also want it to be modern. Um, and I think I think audiences are in for a surprise in the sense of it's going to be very theatrical. It's going to be very. This is not something you could do on film. This is not something you know. Uh, it's 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 about the live performer. It's about the communication between the audience and, and me, and Oscar Wilde and me and the audience. <laughs> so there'll be three of us there. <laughs> and, and you mentioned earlier about uh, people maybe seeing parts of the works that they have they don't know they're not familiar mm-hmm. with. So this is your opportunity to give people a chance to experience Oscar Wilde in a different way. Yeah, I mean, for people who don't know anything about Oscar Wilde, I think there'll, there'll be enough there. Um, I think the, some of the, uh, the works are just so amazing. And uh, For those who are fans of Oscar Wilde, I think you'll get to see some of your favourite bits. And then, and even for those fans, possibly ones that might send you back to have a look at those works again. Um, uh, we're doing uh, two of the fairy stories. Uh, no big spoiler alert. Um, now, excerpts, we're not doing the whole yeah. thing. Uh, this isn't the 25-hour long... No, not yet, <laughs> not yet. Um, but um, uh, the one connection I have with Oscar Wilde is I've actually only ever performed in one production of an Oscar Wilde okay. uh, piece. And it wasn't even a play. It was, uh, it was the short story, the fairy story, The Happy Prince. Uh, and I did that with a company in Cork many moons ago. I was much younger then. Uh, with Graffiti Theatre Company, I played uh, the little swallow who befriends the happy prince. And it's such a beautiful story. It's a classic. Um, uh, so I'm reprising my little swallow <laughs> for those of you, which most of you would not have seen because it was many, many years ago. And, uh, and then also um, one of my favourite uh, obvious fairy stories, uh, The Fisherman and His Soul. 
um, which is an incredibly dark story, very powerful about um, uh, sin and redemption, uh, in incredibly dramatic, even though it's a story. There's a huge um, uh, conflict between the fisherman and his soul in, in, uh, in conflict with each other. And uh, so we're trying to do a one-man version of that. <laughs> so, so that will be a challenge for me, sort of working my way through that. Uh, you said you were in uh, one-man show previously with mm -hmm. language on becoming a lady. So, how do you find getting on stage on your own? Uh, th there's two things. I remember somebody asked me that a while back, and um, I said there's two things. One, it, it can be quite lonely because yeah. it's just you in the dressing room, and you've no one to run lines with, and uh, you've no actor when you come off stage. So, well, that went well tonight, or that was terrible tonight. You've That's no what the mirrors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do end up talking to yourself. Um, uh, so it can be that that like you know five ten minutes before the show, uh, there's you know there's no sense of there's nobody else there to, to sort of g you up. Yeah. Uh, the pros are there's nobody else to get in your way, <laughs> no one to upstage you, <laughs> no one to make you look bad, and uh, and and you can milk whatever pause you like because <laughs> there's no one to say don't do that. <laughs> Though maybe Liam O'Brien, the director, would say don't do that yeah, afterwards. Might be a few words there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Previously as well, I think I might have seen you play Oscar Wilde before. As I said, over the years I've done little bits, yeah. uh, little excerpts uh, from him for different sort of literary events. Mm -hmm. um, up in uh, Number One Perry Hotel, there was a Victorian um, afternoon tea, so yeah. I, I did a little bit of The Importance of Being Earnest and a little bit from um, uh, his very long letter, De Profundis. So as I say, I've, I've dipped my toe in the Oscar <laughs> Wilde water, but definitely this time I'm plunging right in head first. And, and did you find yourself looking at his works in a different way while you were doing this research? Well, there are one or two things, um, uh, which, which again, I sort of knew of, but then if you sort of put them, compare them to current times, it's really fascinating. This is the whole time he toured America uh, as a, a lecturer on art and culture. And he went all over America. Like he, uh, he gave lectures to miners and cowboys about, you know, Italian art and tapestries, <laughs> which is just crazy. Um, and he has a lot of, uh, he says a lot of things about America. I mean, one of the classics one he said was, uh, of course, America had been discovered before Columbus, but they hushed it up. Um, and, but he has a, there's a whole section where he talks about life in America, the culture in America. And there's a very interesting piece about politics in America, which what he says and what they're going through now is just incredible because there's quite a, quite a contrast in his impressions of America and I suppose, I'll be brutally honest, my impressions of what's going on in America <laughs> at the moment. Um, he was quite uh, glowing in his praise of America uh, at times, and as well as putting it down. He did yeah. both. But, uh, so that'll be interesting to see what people make of what Oscar Wilde thought of America way back in the day. I suppose uh, people really get to compare it. Yeah. Because they'll see. Yeah, they'll you know, see. It's a, it's a step back, really, isn't it? And then the other thing is um, when you read... Uh, it's that whole thing about the life as well, which I'm touching on, but I'm, as I say, it's not a biography of Wilde, yeah. it's not a history of Wilde, it's not, and then this happened, and this happened, it's more about the, um, the works and, and the, uh, the meaning of the man and his works to me, but um, as a gay man, I mean, the whole case of the, his love affair with Lord Alfred Douglas, which was a disaster for him, because, but it was one of these really love-hate, tempestuous relationships where he knew it was going to, 
it could destroy him and and yet he sort of couldn't couldn't resist uh, Lord Alfred and they they did love each other but it was one of those loves that you know sort of brought as much pain as joy uh, and of course as a gay man the fact that he was put on trial sentenced to prison I mean he's not the the first or, or, or even the last man who was uh, convicted of homosexual acts at that time but he definitely was one of the most famous and one of the most public and it really um, uh, as I say we live in completely different times um, so so when you looking at our history a history of of, of, of of being gay of homosexuality of being illegal and legal um, he is sort of one of our true sort of gay icons um, because in many ways he was quite he was incredibly open at times about it and, and, and did not apologise for it, even though it led to him being imprisoned. And uh, that, that fabulous quote, be yourself, everyone is taken. I mean, that could be a, uh, that could be a theme of a gay pride parade, yeah. you know. And then speaking of it being illegal, like it's only in our lifetime that it yes, was illegal indeed. in Ireland. Yes, indeed, yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I, that comes up in language of a gay, like it was only in 1993 that uh, homosexuality was decriminalised in Ireland. So, you know, and he died 1901, so that's that's a hundred years ago. But and and we have come a long way, yeah. but it took a long time. Uh, but there is a huge thing, I think, because around the world things aren't always the best for everyone else. But it is the way society, uh, which the whole, which we do see still today, is like they build you up and then they rip you down, mm-hmm. and uh, that whole thing of. He was a celebrity. He was famous. It, it looked like the world could not touch him. But then society said, no, 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 no. And there is a touch of the fact that he was an Irishman as well. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah, you think you're establishment. You think you're one of us. But no, you're not. We're going to get you. So, so that's interesting, too. And just uh, talking about uh, theatre in Limerick for a minute. Uh, mm-hmm. You said you're involved heavily with uh, Limerick Youth Theatre. Yes. You had, um, I think it was Animal Farm a couple of years ago? Uh, with Animal Farm a couple of years ago. That yeah. was great fun. So, yeah, uh, yeah. How important is Limerick Youth Theatre to Limerick? Well, I, I can speak for myself personally. I mean, I've worked with them a few times on different shows. Um, I think for anybody um, who's into acting, the Limerick Youth Theatre are a huge um, resource. Um, they're great for uh, the productions to do the workshops they do but also um, one of the projects that I'm particularly proud of um, is the creative show which is um, a partnership between Limerick Youth Theatre and uh, the Daughters of Charity so each year we do a show with um, uh, a member of some of the cast are from Limerick Youth Theatre some of the cast are from Daughters of Charity and then we also have uh, other uh, groups like choirs and service users and uh, doing dancing and stuff like that but, um, but that's a whole thing of like you know just um opening doors opening minds and working together and seeing that we've more in common than we than we are different so that's important and um i know for myself i started off as a (laughs) dare i say it a child actor uh way back in the day i'm i'm from american i went to drama classes with uh, Barbara Niquive, uh who then went on to be a a quite quite well-known actress and director um but then I worked with uh, like Bween Fawdick uh, doing plays in Irish, <laughs> traveling around the country at, at 12 years old, uh, doing plays. And that's how my love of theater started. Um, uh, just uh, so it's, uh, if it's what you want to do and if it's what you love, I mean, it's a, it's a great introduction to the world. And when did you first realize it was what you wanted to do? Uh, I think I realized very young. Uh, I think uh, the, my mother remembers me writing, it was what you want to be. And I wanted to be a waiter. 
uh, because my um, uh, my mother and father were involved in catering and stuff like that. So I thought that was a great job. I wanted to be an actor. I think it was an actor, waiter. And I think last was a teacher, maybe. Um, actor, waiter sort of fits, because <laughs> being an actor, you sort of end up doing lots of different jobs. And But uh, I suppose the big thing for me was, uh, especially in those days, now there's a there's an not not an easier path, but there is a route now that you can take if you if if you're quite young. Uh, there are a number of um, options for training, uh, going to drama school. Whereas when I started, there really wasn't in Ireland. Um, so and this was the uh, early eighties and recession and all that. And and I was bright and I did well in school, so I actually went into the Bachelor of Commerce in University College Cork. And it was while I was there, really, that the 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 real ambition, the real desire to do it full-time really kicked in because I was studying for my exams and all that, but I was also doing a lot of plays with the, the Student Dram Society. And um, so I got my degree and then came back to my parents and my father said, so what are you going to do? Um, what jobs are you looking for? I said, well, actually, I'm going to stay in Cork and I'm going to be an actor. <laughs> and he sort of said, well, why did I put you through college? So, <laughs> but in fairness, they were very supportive and all the rest. And... and, and touch Buddha or Formica, whatever this is, um, I've been very, very fortunate. It is an up-and-down life, and uh, any young actress who asks me, oh, how, how do you do it? How do you say, look, you have to sort of take the bad with the good, yeah. but I have been very fortunate working with really, really good people uh, and really, really good companies, and um, I suppose you sort of have to take the, the ups and downs and ride them out. And uh, speaking of working with companies, uh, uh most people I speak to in Limerick that are involved in the arts always mention Island Theatre Company. Yes, indeed. I was very fortunate to work with Island yeah. Theatre Company. Uh, I think um, I, wouldn't have, I wasn't a founder member. I wasn't yeah. one of the first original group, uh, even though I knew some of the people involved. But uh, I worked with them extensively from like 1989 uh, right up to uh, till, till unfortunately Island Theatre Company had to close. And did some amazing work with them. Yeah. And again some amazing people I mean highlights that people do remember obviously would be Pig Town uh, by Mike Finn which was um, such a joy to be in and such the reaction of the audience and all the rest but there was other shows as well like um, there was a production of uh, Hamlet that we did in St Mary's Cathedral which was very very exciting but the cathedral itself was a whole other character um, but I suppose I mean there's always ups and downs in, in, in theatre and unfortunately the theatre company it, it, it sort of it had to, to, to close up but what is very um, I suppose reassuring and, and, and really um, it's great to see there's a new generation of theatre makers coming up I mean obviously uh, I'm old I'm old <laughs> uh, but uh, Bottom Dog obviously uh, which was sort of set up well, we don't have a theatre company, so we still want to make work, so let's set up our own company. Now, that has its pros and cons as well, and there's, uh, I'm not saying it's always been easy, but again, people in Limerick have been very supportive of us, and I think this is our 15th production in, in 10 years, so, and a lot of that is done on you know, favours and generosity from Limerick City Council. Um, we're not a funded company, we, we have had, got some little bits of funding here and there, but uh, so we're sort of always relying on audiences. So audiences, you've been warned, please, please. come along and support us. <laughs> but it, that is important. And then there are other companies as well who are doing great work. And, and in fairness, Limerick is a small town. We all know each other. We all cross paths. And I think there is a very good, um, there's good, like we're, we're, we're all on the same page saying like, if one company is doing well, we're all doing well, you know. And I think uh, as an independent theatre company, you have to kind of think outside of the box when you're, putting on shows so do you do things like the 
four readings of certain, yeah, yeah the readings as well and and and, and that's one sometimes it, it's and i mean this quite honestly it, it, they're quite selfish in the sense of we want you know i'm an actor i want to act you yeah. know um uh, i want to perform um uh, and uh, you learn as well every job you do you learn something um, you never stop learning in this game and, and if you do you really possibly need to get out of it <laughs> um, and like anything I suppose if you're an athlete you want to you know you want to keep that muscle uh, working so it's always good to to even on the readings and again Audis is a number one Paris Square very supportive uh, and again very selfish reason there was one play we did called The Dresser which I knew we would never get to do because it's a big play and it, it wouldn't really be uh, feasible but I always wanted to play the character of Norman in The Dresser I said yeah we'll do a reading of it. so I got my wish <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, with theatres in Limerick I think Limerick is very lucky because uh, it's hard to find a small city that has a theatre of so many different sizes. Yeah, we um, as I say, there was a time when things were a little bit... Uh, it was tricky because, um, especially if with new plays and stuff like that, you, you, you don't want to be in the concert hall or, and, and you don't want to be in the lime tree. So the bell table is, is, is perfect for that It's because it's just a means, you know, you're not sitting there looking at... I mean, I, 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 you never know, of course, so you could be packed out, but, but in general, you know, audiences are a little bit wary of new, new works and yeah. stuff like that, or more experimental works. So it's good to have a mix and match of the big old uh, set and big old play and the musicals like Angela's Ashes and stuff like that. And the Lime Tree is a perfect venue for those and, and, it's a, uh, and serves those type of productions. Also, smaller productions as well work, work really well there. But the Bell Table, um, for me personally, um, is uh, well, I suppose I'll be brutally honest because the, the bell table uh, has been my home for so long, so long, and I'm going back even before it was the bell table when it was the Coliseum, <laughs> uh, because I started off performing on the stage here like when I was like five, six, first doing Irish dancing. Yay! <laughs> Imagine me in a little red kilt and a navy blazer, uh, but also doing Phil and Limony and different plays with different companies when I was when I was a teenager, and obviously with that in theatre company we predominantly performed here so um, for me the bell table is sort of the heart of theatre in Limerick uh, that's not to, to, to poo poo the lime tree or, or, or University Constable or even LIT uh, but I suppose yeah, you always go back to your first love and you said it's the heart of theatre in Limerick, but that heart stopped for a while because there was a period. Yeah, uh, we went through some tough times, um, you know, and as I say, but that is the nature of, as I said, as an actor, I have good times and I have bad times and you sort of have to ride them through. But, uh, but I, I'm, very, uh, I'm very hopeful and, and very positive about what's been happening over the last uh, number of years. Um, as I say, always important to get new blood in, new writers, new actors, new people. Uh, because uh, one, <laughs> me, old hack that I am, they challenge me because uh, sometimes you can get a bit stuck on your way. So that's always good. And then we saw Mike Finn's recent play with uh, Bread Not Profits. Yep. And that was fabulous. It was, I really, really loved it. And not again, inside the theatre. <laughs> yeah. No, as I say, there's, there's, there's always, I mean, uh, there's, there's been a number of site-specific pieces that have been done over the years. And that was Cleary's Factory was a fabulous location for that piece. Um, and that whole thing of, you know, uh, it's, it's, you know, theatre is like what you imagine. We always start off sometimes with the idea of like, let your imagination run riot and then we'll trim it down to what's feasible. <laughs> but you saw I have to go in thinking big and then, as I say, cut your cloth to fit your purse. 
So uh, the show will be coming to the bell table. Oh, well, fan, yes. Presented by Bottom Dog Theatre Company. What's your plans for after that? Is there a plan of a tour? Or? Not sure. Not sure. Um, uh, as I say, get the show done first. <laughs> they're coming to uh, pick you up now, I think. Maybe nobody's. <laughs> oh, they're, already they're coming to arrest me. <laughs> for uh, sins against wild. Um, uh We'll see how it goes. There has been some interest from from other venues, and and uh, I think we are definitely going out to um, Friars Gate, Kilmallock with it. Um, and they're always very supportive to to Bottom Dog Theatre Company. We pretty much bring every show we've done out there at some point or another. And um, and after that, who knows? Uh, whatever happens, it will be after Christmas because I'm heading into panto season then. So are indeed, and it's a busy season. Indeed, indeed, comes around quicker every year. So uh, which shows like. Uh, a wild fan uh, what's it like on the opening night uh, as I say with the one man show you're sort of sitting there on your own and um, uh, well, we, we have a preview uh, on the Thursday evening and uh, that's a slightly lower price so hopefully whatever mistakes I've made or whatever didn't work that night I will have had a chance to fix for the official opening night which is the Friday um, I'm hoping uh, that the audience will um fall in love with Oscar Wilde as much as I have. I'm hoping uh, they'll laugh, <laughs> which if they don't at Oscar Wilde, that really means I'm doing a very bad job because he, at times he's so hilariously funny. I'm hoping uh, they'll be moved because there are some sequences in it which are very... Um, uh, from his life and from his, his story, which I think are still incredibly powerful and have a lot to tell us today. Uh, I hope they'll be entertained by some of my confessions, I suppose, because <laughs> at times I'm sort of saying, well, Wilde may have thought that, but this is what I did, if you know what I mean. And um, as I say, it is me uh, asking Oscar Wilde the questions. So it is a conversation between me and Oscar Wilde in a strange way. Um, so uh, I hope I don't bore them. And, uh, and I suppose what I would really love is like if... if people who don't know the works of Oscar Wilde, but even those who do, that it would send them back to have a look at the works. Uh, if you haven't read any of the plays in a while, if you haven't read any of the stories in a while, that says, oh, I really would like to read that again. That, I think, would be a huge compliment both to the show uh, and to Oscar Wilde, that the show sort of says, I must go back and, and read Oscar Wilde again. So, so we'll keep an eye on his book sales after. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm on commission or representative. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, finally, again, Miles, if you could tell people when the show is on and how they can get tickets. Uh, so it's Bottom Dog Theatre Company presents A Wild Fan, uh, written and performed by yours truly and Oscar Wilde, in <laughs> fairness, uh, directed by Liam O'Brien. It's on in the bell table from Thursday the 7th to Saturday the 9th of November, that's at 8pm, uh, with a special uh, low price preview on the Thursday. And you can get your tickets at www.limetreetheatre.ie or the booking phone number is 061 and just before we wrap up again, the cast is... Just me. <laughs> Miles, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you very much, Keen. You've been listening to the We Are Limerick podcast. For more podcasts, visit limerickpost.ie forward slash podcasts. And you can keep up to date with all Limerick news by following the hashtag keeping Limerick posted across all social media channels.